Hail and welcome to A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. I am Margot, and if you're listening to this on Friday, January 6th, the day this drops, then it is the full moon, I'm sorry, the full wolf moon in Cancer today at 6.08 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 3.08 p.m. Pacific Time. Cancer is the cardinal water sign, and it's ruled by the intuitive moon itself. So this lunar alignment can tend to bring great insight to you. Uh, This could be about your inner life, your emotional state, personal struggles, intended goals for the year ahead, etc., or even about your outer life and relationships. The result could be a feeling of empowerment and a desire to shake things up in your professional life or seek more balance between it and that of your personal life. Uh, Or you could feel compelled to open up and talk about some deep-rooted emotions you've been wanting to bring up to the forefront with some of the most trusted people in your circle. These are all beautiful things, especially since both the sign of cancer and the moon are so deeply emotional and watery. They welcome you to dive right into your own deep waters and stay a while. Full moons, by their very nature, are a time when you're very likely to get swept up in some intense emotions. Add to that the moon being full in the sign that it rules, which is the nurturing, compassionate, and wonderfully sensitive cancer. It's absolutely an invitation to spend some intimate quality time in your own little inner world. But just keep in mind that thanks to those Mercury and Mars retrogrades that are still happening, communication and action are likely to be some struggle points. Uh, You may also feel a surge of intuitive ability soon or lately, especially if you have a prominent cancer placement. For example, I have a cancer moon Uh, And at times it's felt like I have an antenna that just got adjusted and is now suddenly picking up some much clearer channels. Some of it's cool. Some of it's not so cool. You know, we take it all in stride. Uh, And before I move on, I want to talk quickly about the wolf moon, which is the January full moon. According to the old Farmer's Almanac, the wolf moon's name originated from Native Americans who often heard wolves howling during cold winter nights at this time of year. Most people assumed the wolves howled so much in winter due to hunger, but we now know they make these eerie and mesmerizing vocalizations for several different reasons, like marking their territory, locating other pack members, uh, strengthening their social bonds, and communicating while hunting. One thing that we do know about the wolf, however, is that it is a fearsome protector, and in the darkness of stormy, snow-covered January, protection is an ideal focus for your magic. And with winter solstice having just passed, and the sun growing stronger with each new day, the wolf moon is also providing a great opportunity to focus on new beginnings and plans for the future. And on that note, I want to turn my focus over to the main topic for this episode, and that is breaking the magical fast, how to bounce back from a lull in your practice. Because it can be hard to turn towards positioning your magic to focus on new beginnings when you feel like you've lost your spark or you're suffering from a lack of inspiration or simply lost touch with your spiritual practice. It happens to all of us, 
especially following the holidays when we've put aside daily practice or meditation or spell work or ancestry veneration in order to make time for cleaning the house, cooking big meals, entertaining family and guests, traveling to see family, or simply feeling that deep sadness that the holidays can often bring to those of us who are reminded of lost loved ones or relationships that aren't what they used to be. There are so many reasons why we can become disconnected from our spiritual paths and then feel as though we don't know how to get back up on the horse, as the metaphor goes. Some of us simply let too much time go since the last time we practiced or made an offering, and some of us feel as if our magic has just left us. It happens, and it will come back. In truth, I don't think it ever really leaves but we can definitely experience a period of time where it feels as if it has. So how do we break out of this? I went through a similar experience a little less than two years ago, uh, and this is a story about a dream that I had, uh, or a couple dreams rather. So bear with me, and I hope you don't feel like I'm putting you through it like I did with my poem. (laughs) Now she's making us listen to dreams. Jesus. (laughs) Okay, so. I had completely fallen off with my practice for reasons that I can't even remember, but I had gone from engaging in a daily practice and observing the espits and sabbats to a pretty long stretch of doing just about nothing at all. I hadn't even picked up a good witchcraft book to read in a while. It was like I had veered off my path and wandered into a dead end and just sat there for a while. Uh, It it never really feels great to be stuck in a dead end, but it will still happen from time to time. We just need to recognize it and give ourselves the time we need before we get up and get back on track. So it was during a time like this that I had a very strange dream. In my dream, I was walking along an empty paved road, no one and nothing in sight except for a snake. And this snake was very quickly slithering straight at me. I remember in my dream trying to back away, but the snake was fast and determined, and it reached me and it bit me before I could do anything to prevent it. And just as that happened, I shot awake in bed, and I laid there for a while wondering, what the hell was that? It was the first time in my life that I had ever remembered dreaming about a snake. But dreams tend to fade away in the light of day, and I soon forgot all about it. Until one night, shortly after, I was letting my dogs out of the back door, and the curtain that usually hangs right next to the slider cast a shadow on the floor that looked for a moment like a snake slithering towards my feet. And just then the memory of that dream came rushing back to me. And even though I was completely startled, it felt immediately like something I was not supposed to forget. And I would not forget that dream again after that point. So maybe about a week later, I had another dream. The snake did not come to me in the same manner this time. Instead, I dreamed that I was out of body hovering over my sleeping self. It was as if I was floating just below my bedroom ceiling, looking down at myself as I lay on my stomach, sound asleep, and unaware that I was being watched, 
by myself. Um, This wasn't the odd part, however. What was odd and out of place and entirely unsettling is that next to my side of the bed, on my left side, I saw what appeared to be a very old and decrepit looking woman crouching down with an angry scowl on her face, and she was repeatedly poking at my left side around my chest and my shoulders. I don't know why this creature took on the form of an angry old woman, but there was nothing else about it that felt human in the least. And even though I felt like screaming, nothing would come from my mouth. I didn't have the use of my body after all because I wasn't in it. Uh, And that's when the snake came again. But it was not like the slithering creature that had bitten me in the previous dream, however. This time I saw this great shadow of a figure of a snake come out of my sleeping body from my own head. It was like a large, dark, winding figure of a snake seeming to uncoil itself and wound itself backward and struck the old woman in a vicious, repeated motion until she was beaten back and slowly she completely disappeared. I watched this in like shock and amazement and when the shadow of the snake seemed to melt back into my sleeping body and also disappear, I felt the sensation of falling. And that is when I again started and shot out of sleep in my bed. But this time, instead of lying and wondering about the dream, I was filled with like an adrenaline rush and flooded with an onslaught of about a million questions about what I had just experienced in my dream. I mean, what the fuck, you know? And now my dreams and dreams and symbols in general are different for everyone who experiences them and interprets them. It's why I often think that one person's attempt at interpreting another person's signs is often fruitless beyond helping them tap into their own intuition so that they can figure it out for themselves. Because for some people, a dream about a snake might be an absolute nightmare. But my experience and the research that I've done in this life has led me to see the snake as a symbol of magic, of ancient feminine power, and the ultimate creative life force. Snakes also represent rebirth, transformation, immortality, and healing. They symbolize wisdom and protection. And finally, for me in particular, they are a potent and powerful symbol of my patron deity, Hecate. So, In these moments after that last dream, things were actually finally starting to make sense to me. The message I took away was that no matter why I turned away from my path and for how long, my magic was still there deep inside me and Hecate was calling me and letting me know that it was about time that I came home. Because as long as I stood in my power and stayed my path, I could handle anything that came my way, and I could protect myself. Months later, I would be diagnosed with breast cancer that had started in my left breast and spread to the lymph nodes in my left underarm. And I'm still on the fence 
on whether or not that angry old woman was an omen or a warning about the sickness that was attempting to take hold in my body. But again, I've never had such a dream or an experience. And later on, when I learned that some chemo drugs, including the one that I was given, are developed from yew trees, a tree that is sacred to Hecate. Well, let's just say that certainly gave me even more food for thought. Anyway, I listened when she called me back. I restarted my daily practice. I came to her for wisdom and support and guidance. And when I began my treatments, I leaned on my spirituality to get me through one of the hardest times of my life. I was called back. But I know not everyone is called back. Or possibly we are, but we don't see all the signs or heed the call because of the distractions of everyday life. The stresses of just getting by or the complete disruption and incapacitation that can come with mental illness. So how do we find our way back to our craft on our own? No terrifying snake incidents to be seen or had. I have some ideas. And one of them actually came to me recently when I went on Marco Polo and had a conversation with my good friend, Tabitha. You may know her from Backwoods Brews and Botanicals, as well as Two Geminis and a Leo, a podcast about astrology, which is fantastic. So um, it was New Year's Day, and we were talking about, you know, our New Year's Eves and how they had gone and what we were up to that day, you know, as you do. And Tabitha told me that she was cleaning and organizing her altar spaces as a way of helping her feel closer to her spiritual practice and relighting that magical spark. I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) And she said that it was working. It was helping her feel connected again. Just some tidying up of the places in her home that had a sacredness to them. And I thought, of course. Because when we practice magical hygiene in our homes by smoke cleansing or sound clearing and the like, or refreshing our wards and protections, don't we first always start by cleaning up a bit, clearing the clutter, and organizing our spaces to release and chase away stagnant energy? Of course, this makes perfect sense. And then I obviously asked her if it was okay that I share the conversation on this episode, and she said yes, thank you, Tabitha. So before I go into some of my own ways of helping myself to bounce back from a lull in my practice to break the magical fast, as I put it in the episode title, I want to recommend Tabitha's method. Clean up, straighten and tidy those places in your home that hold your altar tools, your deity representations, the items that hold a space for your ancestors, or the spot where you pray or meditate. Not only can it help you get motivated to eventually dive back into your practice, but it's the first major step in reestablishing your relationship with the spirits that preside in these places. It's a show of respect and a gesture of kindness towards them. And I was fully inspired. I got to work straightening up these areas myself, and the feeling of relief and invigoration that permeated through the house was clearly not mine alone. So another method that I like to use when I feel like I need to re-immerse myself in my spirituality is with the help of the elements. You can try all four, or if you feel more connected to one, you can stick with that and see how it feels. 
For example, if you're a Taurus or another Earth sign like me, you may feel more inclined toward to working with Earth. I actually like to start with air when I do this. Uh, I started this practice shortly after my visit from the Shadow Snake, and I wanted to deepen my connection with my craft again. So I restarted a daily practice uh, that began with having my morning coffee near my altar where I would light a candle and some incense each day, offer fresh water and black coffee, and sit quietly after pulling a daily tarot or oracle card. Sounds simple enough, but sometimes even that feels like a lot and it's okay to use the fake it till you make it method here. Sometimes you just have to do the thing and hope that you feel better about it after it's all said and done. It's a lot like working out. I don't get myself on the treadmill because I enjoy working out. I enjoy how I feel after I've gotten it over with. And sadly, sometimes even our spiritual practice can feel like that. But only temporarily. The spark will return. So back to air. After I would complete my little daily morning ritual, I would open my back door, no matter the weather, and step outside and wait to catch some wind. Even a small breeze would do. I would imagine the element of air blowing all the stagnant energy off of me and carrying it away, leaving me with nothing but fresh inspiration for the day ahead. And then I would say thank you to the spirit of air for cleansing and reinvigorating me. Later, I realized I could bring earth into this practice, by crouching down and placing my hands on the grass or slipping off my shoes and standing barefoot in the backyard. There, I would imagine leftover energy from the previous day or a restless night or any worries or stresses being absorbed down into the earth through my feet and then fresh green earth energy rising up through the ground to take its place. Then I would thank the spirit of earth for holding me and taking away my troubles. Eventually, I realized I could return to the candle burning on my altar and ask the spirit of fire to burn away my feelings of inadequacy or disconnection that had taken over and fill that empty space with fresh passion for my craft. I would stare into the flame and thank the spirit of fire for helping me to restoke the fires inside of myself. Finally, stepping into the shower, I realized that I could connect with water and imagined it washing away all the disappointments associated with my time spent away from my path. In the shower is where I frequently connect to the emotionally healing qualities of water. I know many witchers prefer baths, but I imagine baths as a place where we can take in and absorb the energies of the water, while in a shower, the water does a washing away of what's unwanted. So there in the shower, I thanked the spirit of water for restoring my connection with my spirit self. None of these activities took more than a few moments, but they made all the difference to me. And when I was finished, I was ready for spirit. For that, I have a suggestion for this full moon that I will get to in a moment. So whether you decide to start with a simple cleaning, decluttering, and reorganizing of your sacred space, 
uh, or you strike up a new daily practice or morning ritual, like sitting quietly at your altar for a few minutes in the morning, lighting a candle and maybe some incense and pulling a card until it starts to feel natural and enjoyable again. Or if you employ the help of the four elements of air, earth, fire, and water, or even just one of them, if one of those options appeals to you more than the others. The ultimate trick is to just do. Because waiting for divine intervention or an immense wave of inspiration doesn't always pan out. Sometimes you have to be your own divine intervention and your own source of new inspiration. As a witch, you probably do that for other people all the time without even realizing it. So do for yourself now. You won't regret it. Finally, my last two tips before I move on to some items that can help you recapture your passion for your craft are simple and predictable, but they absolutely help. And they are journaling and picking up a new book that sparks your interest. You don't have to journal about anything in particular, but one topic I recommend is simply examining what it is that may be contributing to your feeling disconnected. You can just let your pen help you empty your mind onto the pages. It's not about writing a masterpiece at all. It's simply about letting your mind drift and possibly discovering some things about your predicament that you maybe never considered. As for the books... Do not bother with that book that you've been meaning to read but never got around to, no matter the reason. Pick something that excites you, that you can't wait to open up and absorb. Maybe it's a brand new topic that you don't know anything about, or maybe it's your favorite witchy book that you've already read twice. The key is to choose not a book that you think you should read, but the one that is going to bring you joy. Now, before I leave you with a spirit exercise, or ritual rather, uh, for this and future full moons, I want to share some influences, plants, crystals, and items that can help you in breaking the magical fast. So, to start off, Mars and Mercury are the planets of action and communication. Uh, As I said in the beginning of the episode, however, they are both currently in retrograde, which is just some raggedy shit right there. But when they aren't ruining our lives, (laughs) just kidding, it's not that bad. We can get through. Um, They can be amazing for tapping into the energies of passion and action for Mars and fresh inspiration and communication with the spirit that's all around us for Mercury. The sun and the moon are also incredible allies here. The sun is all about activation and awakening and power, while the moon resides over magic, intuition, and a nurturing energy. Some herbs that are great for awakening and activating are peppermint, thyme, patchouli, sandalwood, and pine. Crystals that can be relied upon for the same type of energies include aventurine, fluorite, hematite, clear quartz, and rose quartz. Thyme and honeysuckle are also great for adaptability, as so are bloodstone, garnet, jade, selenite, and sodalite. For overcoming challenges and coping with change, you can look to broom, lavender, hyjon, peppermint, vervain, yarrow, and oak, as well as azurite, lodestone, clear quartz, 
rhodonite, and then amazonite and sodalite if the challenges are emotional. You can help provide yourself with some extra compassion with the help of gardenia, rose, allspice, or lotus. And crystals of the same nature include angelite, aquamarine, blue argonite, aventurine, celestite, garnet, moonstone, rose quartz, and tourmaline. For confidence, you can look to basil, bergamot, carnation, geranium, passionflower, rose, rosemary, thyme, yarrow, cedar, cypress, oak, and dragon's blood, as well as agate, aventurine, bloodstone, orange calcite, carnelian, citrine, garnet, hematite, jade, labradorite, moss agate, obsidian, onyx, tiger's eye, and tourmaline. And finally, for inspiration, you can get help from angelica, grape, honeysuckle, iris, jasmine, lavender, lilac, lily of the valley, rose, rosemary, rue, vervain, cinnamon, sinkfoil, sorry, sinkfoil, sinky foil, sinkfoil, clove, frankincense, ginger, lotus, reed, sandalwood, and vanilla, plus amazonite, amethyst, ametrine, apatite, aquamarine, blue lace agate, carnelian, celestite, garnet, jade, picture jasper, labradorite, onyx, opal, pyridot, clear quartz, selenite, serpentine, tiger's eye, blue topaz, tourmaline, turquoise, and zircon. And if you want to use a tarot card or two or three to help you break out of your funk, gain some new perspective, and recapture your magic, you can meditate on these, research them, or tuck them under your pillow. They are the chariot, the hanged man, the high priestess, the tower, if you really want to shake things up and you're feeling very bold, and the fool. The queens of each suit are also really nice choices, especially if you choose to work with the elemental exercises. Okay, so finally, I want to leave you with a ritual that you can do on this full moon or any full moon for that matter. It's also uh, appropriate to carry this out on the new moon if you prefer. So if you're more inclined to do that, go for it. But it has to do with forgiving yourself and fortifying your spirit by reclaiming your power and your energy. And it's a ritual that I found in Aiden Watcher's Six Ways. So I actually recently added it to the Spells and Rituals page at aisforagrimony.com because I love it so much. I recommend it to friends all the time, and now I'm recommending it to you. So I'm just going to read directly from that page. Reclaiming Self, Power, and Position, a ritual from Six Ways by Aiden Watcher. There are few books that stand out to me when I think of what a beginner witch should read as part of their basic and fundamental education in magical practice. No doubt there are hundreds to choose from, all ranging from the basic theory and dogma of specific traditions to beginner spellbooks and beyond. However, very few cover the empirical nature of working with energy and spirit through applied 
practice in the same manner as Aiden Watcher's Six Ways. If you know me from my time at the Hearth and Hedge, then this is not the first time you've listened to my promotion of this book as not only a prerequisite read, but a necessary addition to the library of anyone who would don a witch hat. I use the term witch as a vast generalization because the information in this book is rooted in witchcraft, folk magic, chaos magic, and animist spirit work, and as such, achieves the seldom accomplished goal of holding relevance to most, if not all, practitioners of magic. The following ritual is one that I have suggested to friends time and time again, and I myself have performed it on numerous occasions, sometimes at every full moon. It was one of the first spells that I shared on the Hearth and Hedge, and it simply wouldn't feel right if I didn't include it here at A is for Agrimony. Here is just one of the many indispensable applications you can find in Aiden Watcher's Six Ways, Approaches and Entries for Practical Magic. So to perform this ritual, you will need a printed photo of yourself set on your altar, a bowl of fresh water, enhanced with fresh or dried flowers of your choice, essential or anointing oil of your choice, or even a favorite perfume. Um, Here you can actually choose some of the plant materials that I mentioned earlier. A candle. White is perfect for this working, but you can also use red to represent your personal power. An incense of your choice, for example, dragon's blood. And that is all. So what you're going to do is arrange the candle, incense, bowl, and photo on your altar or working space. Start by casting a circle if you typically do so. This is only necessary if you think it is. Ground and center yourself, or simply sit with your breath until you feel relaxed and calm. Light your candle and incense and begin. First, You're going to forgive yourself your failures, anointing yourself with the water and repeating the following out loud three times. I forgive myself my failures, each and every one of them, past, present, and future. Next, you will call back your personal power that has been lost or taken away in any way. Again, anointing yourself with the water and repeating the following out loud three times. I call back my power. All that was taken from me, all that I gave away, all that I lost, I call it back to me, as it was, as it is, and as it shall be. Finally, you're going to bless yourself and give thanks. You will anoint yourself with the water a third time and repeat the following out loud three times. Here and now, ever and always, as an avatar of the ineffable, I bless myself. I give thanks to the powers that aid and guard me. I thank them for their help, their protection, and their infinite blessings, as was, as is, and as is to come. You can change the wording and adapt the spell to suit you, if necessary. Just keep in mind that the intention is to forgive yourself, call back your power, and bless yourself, past, present, and future. The anointing process can be as simple as a few drops each time or as elaborate as a full body wash. Just do what feels right for you. Just remember to give special attention to the head, neck, hands, feet, and any areas that hold pain. And that is it. And I got to tell you, I love to do that on full moons. Typically, I reserve the new moon for, uh, you know, Hecate's supper and any kind of 
new projects. Um, so when the full moon comes around, I feel like this is just, just the thing, just the thing for me. (laughs) Try it out and let me know what you think, please. If you do. So that is all for today. But before I say goodbye, I want to announce that starting today, you can join me on Patreon for a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm going to be providing unedited video format episodes. Um, That will be every episode except for episodes in the future where I conduct interviews because it's only fair. Um, if the person that I interview is completely and totally down with having an unedited version on the Patreon, then I will use it. But otherwise, I'm just going to say right now that uh, I am not expecting them to agree to that. So any episode that is just me or just some friends who are totally down, uh, you will have the completely unedited video format episodes on the Patreon, as well as weekly collective card readings, a simple way to contact me and chat, uh, and a monthly spell that I will create, provide step-by-step visual instruction, and perform with you. And soon to come, merch and monthly spell boxes. You can check it out at patreon.com slash A is for agrimony. And okay, that is all for today. Be well and have an amazing weekend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. If you want some more content, please go to www.aisforagrimony.com, where you can find my blog, episode archive, spells and rituals, and the soon-to-come coven shop. You can also follow me on Instagram at a underscore is underscore for underscore agrimony. That's an underscore in between every word. Or like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash A is for agrimony. And if you're interested in some exclusive insider bonus content, you can join me on Patreon at patreon.com slash A is for agrimony, where I share unedited video format episodes, weekly collective card readings, and much more. Want to contact me? Shoot an email to reachmargo at A is for agrimony.com. away of what's unwanted. So there, excuse me. Oh, jeez. Whoa. I was attacked by my own saliva. I'm going to drink some of this fake cocktail. I apologize for that. I'm going to take a beat. Oh. I was doing so well. Okay. I was in the shower, right? Yes.
The water does a washing away of what's unwanted. <clears throat> so there in the shower, I thanked the spirit of water 